All right. On this day in history, uh, Julia Roberts won favorite actress in the drama for Dying Young and favorite actress in a comedy for Hook at the People's Choice Awards in 1992. It was the 18th edition of the award show. Also, on this day in history, in 1997, CNN aired its first Spanish broadcast. You are now listening to It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in the peak entertainment era. Streamable Life is hosted by cousins Lauren and Brandon and recorded independently in Hawkins, Indiana. Enjoy the show. Alrighty, and we are back with another episode of A Streamable Life, where we're quantum life in a peak entertainment era. These are your hosts, Lauren. And I'm Brandon. And we'll get started here with a question of the week this week. All right. Um, I try to keep it, you know, uh, women-themed, but it was really hard to think of something. So this is just broad, men are women. And I wanted to know if there was a character that you didn't like at the beginning of a show that eventually you either either became one of your favorites or you, you tolerated them or you respected them more by the time this show or the series ended. Hmm. I was trying to think really hard, yeah. but just I think just recently the way the character arc went, I'd have to go with um, Spooky on On My Block. Uh, okay, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, like his. I mean, in the beginning, you think his character is just like this one-dimensional um, gang member who's sort of like stopping his little brother from like succeeding, but you learn like he has a motive for all these things and he's, he's really a multifaceted character. One of the best ones in the show later on. Right. Okay. Um, so I had to narrow it down. Initially I was going to pick, um, Dawn from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Cause when she first came into the show, she was so annoying. She was like angsty teenager and she kind of grew on me, but I think even more so, was uh what's all oh god page from the americans oh yeah 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 <laughs> oh my god when i first started watching that show i was like no she has to go she, she needs to go hella annoying yeah yeah and then you know as the show went on she became a bigger part of the story and uh you know actually quite likable so she, mm. that's who i picked all right cool cool all right, we'll get into the episode here with our first segment, the headlines. Um, we'll start with a our first non-coronavirus story first. <laughs> um, last week, Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years in prison yeah. for the three charges he was found guilty of in New York dealing right. with sexual assault. Um, yeah, he was asking for five because his lawyers were determined that any more than that, he would die in prison. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's justice. And that, that's good. Right. And I think that's what um, that's what matters here. I mean, I mean, I get, I don't know if it technically wraps the story up because the he still has a case on Los Angeles, doesn't he? Correct. He still has a uh trial in los angeles and i know last i heard 
that the attorneys were like going to try to appeal the New York or whatever, but yeah. I doubt any of that happens. But yeah, he still has the cases in Los Angeles to go through. Yeah. So, oh no, it's good news that, you know, he got in trouble and finally punished and there's some justice, but I guess we got to see how it plays out and what bigger Definitely. effects this has. So. Definitely. Um, Cause even, even at this point, people weren't sure exactly what was going to happen. Right. Right. Cause he had gotten off practically scot-free for all these years. Right. Exactly. So it's definitely a big significant shift and win for the Me Too movement and trying to eliminate that behavior in our culture in general, but specifically in the entertainment industry. Right. And then I guess we'll move to a segment just strictly on the COVID-19 that's gripping the country. Um, As we heard about viruses, you know, affecting events, canceling events, that the things have just trickled down one by one. Things are shutting down in fear of spread of the virus. So, right. um, of course, this is March, supposed to be March Madness, but the NCAA tournament canceled all, well, NCAA canceled all winter and spring championships, which included the uh, college basketball tournament. Right. Um, so, you know, teams that had just got their first bid, like University of Indianapolis. Right. Um, into the tournament, they're now just should have, would have, could have. Like it, it's right. It, it's kind of interesting because I don't know. It's not like next year you can just give them a free spot, right? I mean, they've they've got to play again and try to earn their way in. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty I, bad. And I did see some places are are electing like another year of eligibility for some seniors at some. Yeah, seniors. I could see that. That's well, yeah, because that'd be kind of harsh. Yeah. So that's fair. Um, and dealing with college, colleges, just for per se, we're seeing now that commencements, commencement, uh, commencement ceremonies are yeah. being um, either canceled or done online. I know Purdue announced that they won't have theirs. Um, I think Butler said as well. I think Indiana University finally came through and said they will not be having theirs. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, and then we go into sort of the entertainment realm. Um, basically, every sport season has been canceled until further notice. Yeah. From the NBA to the MLB, which is pushing their start back two weeks and canceling uh, spring training. The MLS, um, they just announced that the French Open will be in the fall. Kentucky Derby is being postponed for the first time in like 75 years. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. I, I don't know if, I mean, obviously this is it's weird to not have sports or anything like that on television right now, but I don't know if you're kind of experiencing it. I'm just waiting for somebody I know to, to get it. Like, yeah, I've seen someone I know from Twitter. He lives in, Virginia or near Virginia goes to school there. He said he's contracted it, so he has to basically isolate himself for two weeks. And he did have some symptoms, and he's younger than me. So, wow. yeah. yeah it, it's crazy because, I mean, we just had our first death here in Indianapolis. And, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know how many cases we actually have, but yeah. And they said we have 159 cases, 
30 have tested positive and there's been two deaths in the state of Indiana. Wow. And we just had, well, Wayne County had their first confirmed patient. He's from Franklin County and he came to the ED there with symptoms. He's being treated here. Wow. So, yeah. It's getting That's very crazy. real. Um, along with the sporting events, there's been cancellations of, you know, award shows, film festivals. I'm pretty sure it hasn't happened yet, but I could see that if CATX TV festival being canceled. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the first week of June. Um, we've got 70 plus shows halting production, including Euphoria. Um, Empire and Supernatural may not have season finales because they've, well, series finales, both those series are ending. They've halted production. Um, and in conjunction with that, we've, we're seeing theaters across the country close. Regents, yeah. Cinemark, and AMC are closing for at least 12 weeks. And we're seeing people go without work. My yeah. uh, college buddy's brother is a manager at the AMC in Castleton, and he was basically let go this morning. Damn. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. A lot of people losing job. I, I literally just came from downstairs and heard something on CNN that I think unemployment may hit like 20% through this whole thing. Yeah, that's not good. No, not at all. So we just, we really, I don't think anyone expected this no not at all and we just have to we just have to weigh it out and follow the the rules basically they're yeah. the mandates and guidelines to make sure that it doesn't spread any more severely and, and just sort of hope the tests get here and get to the people that need them yeah absolutely because um i mean i guess the the bright spot in all this is that um the you're not likely to die from it. I mean, it's possible, but right. if, you know, if you're in good health and, you know, anything can really happen, mm-hmm. but, um, I mean, we've got like 200,000 cases just about around the world. And I think somewhere between like 7,000 deaths. And I mean, the odds are pretty good between 7 billion people. That's, I mean, I mean, it's still serious, but you know, if you, right. if you feel the symptoms, you get tested, then, you can get taken care of so right and given that like this started in china back in november december right right and they're just now getting to this place where their thing is mostly done right we probably won't be done with it till like they say july or august right And, and in terms of cancellations i'm not sure how they can go for it with the Olympics. Right. And I keep saying that their hope is to continue. And we're like, but how? Right. I, I mean, I haven't heard much about Japan and how many people they've had infected and that, but, uh, you know, getting hundreds and thousands of people together, I, that doesn't seem like a great idea. Yeah. And I keep seeing, like, they keep saying, you know, keeping the Olympics on isn't about the money. It's like, then what is it about? Because all this, right? All that's crap. They talk about global unity and whatever. Right. Is not it? It's just not. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Just push it back to the next Olympics. Like you know, 
I don't know. It, it, yeah, they'll, they'll have to figure something out because that's a disaster waiting to happen if they have that many people. Right, right. So, so we'll just we just have to basically sit and wait and see right. see what happens. And unfortunately, it's it's going to impact everyone whether you get sick or not, whether you're hit economically or not. It's going to affect the way, just the way we're used to life. Right. Absolutely. So we'll we'll all be tuned in to to the headlines on what's next because really that's all the news is about because there's nothing uh, else going on. You you're not lying, man. I I can't stand it. I I caught the Today Show the other day. I swear to you, all three hours were about the coronavirus. I was like, right. You got to be kidding me. There's got to be something happening. <laughs> and then they had two staffers with it, so like it's only Savannah yeah. and Hoda there. Yeah. So, but yeah, we just got to wait it out. Right. Um, that concludes the headline segment. We'll now transition to our not segment where we have two new shows we are watching, both on HBO. Um, we will start, let's go from the bottom up. Okay. Have more to say about the other show. So the first show is The Plot Against America. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not know this was David Simon. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere. He's the executive producer, so. Yeah. And I know there's a podcast. I'll probably listen to that sometime. Yeah, that popped up on my YouTube. I think it's like 35 minutes, so not as long as the Chernobyl ones, but. Right, right. Probably just as effective. Mm-hmm. So here with plot, uh, the plot against America, a limited series on HBO, we have a. Um, tight-knit Jewish family with sort of looking for upper mobility mobility um, during Nazi Germany and the world looking for the United States for leadership. And it's an alternate history series. So basically right. what we'll get is um, instead of Roosevelt being elected president, it's what if Lindbergh had won right. the presidency right. and what happens in America on with that traje- trajectory. Right. Um, so what did you think of this first episode, basically part one? Well, I think it was intentionally kind of not somber, but slow and maybe uneventful, you know, just kind of ease us in, introduce mm-hmm. the, uh, the characters, the characters kind of get us um, acclimated to what's going on. But um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. it. It was it was good. I thought it was shot. I always I always jump to costumes and how they can really kind of transport you back to that time and the setting mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. always gets to me, but I liked it. And uh, I forgot Winona Ryder was in it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I thought so, she was, well, I mean, she is a main character, but I thought she, she was like the, like the main character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah, when she popped up, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. But no, I think, uh, I think it's good you got a couple storylines going between mm-hmm. the boys uh the father and the mother and you just kind of wonder how it's all gonna not pop off but how they're all going to uh right react to what's going on in the world yeah so we have this family um father mother two boys the mother's sister who is one of the writer's character mm-hmm. and the father's if i understood it i think 
I think that's his nephew. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, because at some point he said his parents passed. Right, yeah. Yeah. And they're all sort of living in this house together. So that's sort of like the way the stories kind of crisscross is just them existing together. Um, The first episode, the father has a chance to get a promotion to move his family from their you know Jewish community, sort of like mm-hmm. an upscale suburb. Um, but of course there's apprehension because this suburb opens them up to anti-Semitism from right. German immigrants. And um, very interesting. You you feel that tension immediately, yeah. even though nothing necessarily popped off. It's just it's it's there it's that it's the climate right yeah per se it was, it was much heavier then than it is now i guess you'd say right um and then you have the two brothers um the older brother is a, ta- a talented artist mm-hmm. um and the younger one just sort of like follows his lead sort of more what you say yeah he's i don't know it kind of seems like your typical young boy kind of yeah i don't know how to put it naive and just sort of like yeah and all of everything doesn't really get out to the world much um and their older cousin is you know sort of jobless Mm kind of young trying to just basically run with the wrong crowd and finds himself out of a home after some unsavory actions which i don't think he actually did yeah it's starting to it doesn't look like he did so yeah and then you have one writer's character who after um i guess breaking up with her married man yeah it's sort of like looking looking for love and back then being a single woman wasn't really no, was was looked down upon so looked down upon and it sounds like she's a she a widow uh i don't know if she's a widow or if she just left her husband i think she i, don't, I wasn't i wasn't sure i know the no, guy she's sleeping with was yeah married. yeah he was married and then she got the bomb that he was never leaving his wife um any scenes in particular stick out to you in this first episode just that stuck to you um i thought one thing that was interesting was um after like i said before how they kind of transport you back to time but after they listened to the uh the radio broadcast in Lindbergh, they went outside and all their neighbors were standing out there i was like what like what's this like mm-hmm. i thought that was pretty interesting and I, I don't know if that's factual or something that happened back in those days but um it it, it must have been because they made it look like it was just something normal to listen to a broadcast and yeah but but then i guess that's equivalent of now when hell we watched westworld the other day and we were texting during it so maybe that's you know mm-hmm. so so but yeah that was interesting i thought that was cool maybe that's just like a historical note they added in there so we'll see yeah um for me i thought they're already sort of setting up the not side well side not side per se but like the the way this family will be splintered by the rise of Lindenberg. Um, right. You could see like those that are still sentimental to this figure. Right. And literally where the lines being drawn, like the older brother yeah. is infatuated with him. 
Um, and the, the younger brother, it just, he's just sticking more towards what his father is saying because right, I mean, right. that's who his sort of hero is. Um, yeah. And then the sisters, you know, as in the preview, they showed, of course, what happens, but, you know, I know Ryder's character is definitely more worldly and cultured right. um, than her sister. So right. I, and, it's interesting to see how that's going to. Right. And the, um, her younger, oh God, we're going to have to learn these character names, but the yeah. younger sister, the one that's married and not Winona Ryder, you can mm-hmm. kind of see that even from her acting and uh, how, how would I say it? Just kind of from the way that she, she held herself in the show that there's going to be a point where she not like loses control, but she's going to speak out more than what was yeah. expected from women in that time. Like you can kind yeah. of tell that's coming. Mm-hmm, definitely. I thought it was odd, not, not odd, but sort of random, like that. I don't know if he's really his friend, but the younger brother's classmate is just sort of this like teenage perv. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what they're playing at. Maybe it's just like a... Just, I guess, what kids do or... Yeah, I I guess... I feel like the big part about him is probably going to be his mother. And maybe that's our introduction to her and her life because she works at like what sounds like a bar. His dad's in a jazz band. She sounds very, I don't know, different. Yeah. So, so the, maybe, yeah, he's he seems to be more unorthodox compared to like this sort of traditional right, absolutely Jewish family the other boy comes from. Yeah. I did, but yeah. I did enjoy the show, the first episode though. The character, the character development so far has been really good. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I have, I, I honestly don't know what's coming. I, I didn't read the book from Philip Roth, so. Oh, well, okay. I, I read it. I should say I didn't finish it. He writes really long books. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's episode one, and hopefully, we'll see how this develops in episode two for the plot against America. Airs Mondays at nine p.m. on HBO. All right. Our second uh, series we're watching airs Sundays at nine HBO. It's the season three uh, premiere of Westworld. Yes. Um, episode one is entitled Parse Domine. I hope I said that right. Domine. Yeah, I'm thinking it's Domine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably Latin. It sounds like. Parse Domine. Uh, yeah. Roman Catholic. I don't know what that word is either. Antiphone. Uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. Yeah. And basically, this text derived from Joel uh, from the Bible. Joel yeah. 2.17, which basically talks about um, people adhering to a god, like, destroying folks or something. I, I'll read it. Uh, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their god? Hmm. So in relation to Westworld and what we're given in this episode, I there's there's reckoning a reckoning coming. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, with this episode, we return not to Westworld, but to the the universe where this exists. Basically, the real world now. Um, yeah. And 
the just to give us the characters to know where we're at. We return with Dolores. Yep. Um, played by Evan Rachel Wood. We have Charlotte Hale, um, slash Dolores, who's played by Tessa Thompson. Yeah. You've got Bernard Lowe, who is played by Jeffrey Wright. Um, and then our newest character is Caleb, who um, yeah. is played by Aaron Paul at Breaking Bad fame. Thing. Yes. And he is sort of like a new protagonist in this tale. Yeah, uh, what were your thoughts on the first episode as you as you're like our new Westworld viewer here? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I've been it in like a week. Um <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. It's um I, I didn't well, I didn't know what to expect now that they're in a new world. I was curious as how they would jump from how the show ended to where mm-hmm. we are now, but it kind of did it, I would say, somewhat flawlessly. I'm sure there'll be a lot of flashbacks too yeah um, have the sensors there's been time has gone right. by for for everything to be where it's at yeah right exactly so but no I, it was it was cool i kind of liked the whole uh futuristic dark cyberpunk la world or wherever we're at right now but uh, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of i thought a cool imagining of the future um, I th- we talked, and we especially like Evan Rachel Wood's outfits, because <laughs> <laughs> my God, she everything she wore, she it looked like it, it seemed like this episode was just for her showing off. Yeah. And, um, but no, I mean she's still the badass that she was in the in the last season. So, I mean, I'm excited to see where it goes. We didn't get too much, mm-hmm. but uh, oh, I, and I like the cameo i guess you call it cameo from you know marshawn lynch so i'll see i i don't know if he did one episode or what but right right um yeah i agree i really like this episode i loved how they introduced us to this this world this uh earth or united states as you'd say i like how they integrated how things work um we're seeing the world through aaron uh, Aaron paul's or Mm -hmm. caleb's eyes um, and just how uh, this uh, algorithm is supposed to be tracking everyone for their economic progress, dep- depending on like who they are. Right. Um, and some reason it's just not working for him. Yeah. Um, and I love how that, how it's, I like how they cr- eventually cross paths, Dolores and Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, Caleb takes a job through the RICO app, which is like legalized illegality. Right, yeah. Um, and he just sort of like stumbles upon her after her uh, sort of takedown of these bandits from the, um, I guess, company's henchmen or whatnot. Right. Um, that was real interesting. Yeah, and just we'll get back <laughs> i thought what was what confused me at first was i thought he was talking to himself when he kept hearing the other voice oh yeah yeah yeah. and then it came together that like he had i think do you have like an earpiece in or something or mm-hmm, his phone yeah yeah to uh have that in was it uh was it was it kid cuddy or did i imagine that 
That was Kid Cudi, yeah. I forgot okay. he was supposed to be in the series. Yeah, okay, yeah. See, I didn't know that. So when I saw it, I was like, that looks a lot like Kid Cudi. But no, I thought that was cool. And um, through that, we learned a little bit. He was he he was a fighter, right, or something, or some type of soldier or something. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, not really specific war mm-hmm. or anything, but um, but yeah, I, I agree with you and kind of how they've drawn up this world in a modern day America, because uh, some things were not too far off of those that right. the, kind of, the whole app thing about kind of looking for random jobs is kind of like our you know our gig economy right now you you take what you can get mm, definitely definitely so, um and so basically we we've got maybe three storylines so far mm-hmm. you, um i'll just say three so you have dolores and caleb yeah um dolores is basically seeking a way to take down or take control of the i forget what it's called but the tracking system that's being used and mm-hmm. she's she basically plotted ways to infiltrate the company through the co-owner and just very espionage like and very aeon flux and mm. everything and then you have charlotte hell's character who is actually the other dolores because she killed the real charlotte hell in um right previous season um she's sort of trying to keep Delos in business because um, owners and what uh, what's the word I want? Investors and stuff are trying to uh, ditch the board and they're trying to strum down the violent attack that happened yes. there and not blame the robots. They're putting all the blame on Bernard Lowe, who is a fugitive at this point. Right. You have his storyline where he's trying to um stop Dolores right. and sort of clear his name. So that's sort of yeah. like the three storylines we have. And his his whole thing is very interesting because he's the, I believe he's the only one that can turn on and off the robot in him. Like he's too yeah. different. Yeah. People, which is really interesting. Yeah. So yeah, no, it was good. I uh yeah I, I didn't really know what to expect, but um oh I knew the the beginning, the guy that whose house she was in. All right, both of his his wives or whatever. The first oh. wife was was one wait, was one of his wives a a, a a robot? I don't know if she was a robot. I didn't get that. I just saw that he she died under mysterious circumstances. But he certainly had a type. Yeah. And to see, I think is the way that he, he was speaking to him that I was like, uh, maybe. I think he was just abusive. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, think I, it thought, was, I thought that whole opening was crazy. Oh, uh, yeah, that was wild. It, it basically shows you exactly what Dolores' mission is, her mindset. Like, she said, fuck patriarchy. I'm coming right. for her. All right, she was in his pool and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, and the whole scene with the, uh, I guess, security guy, like, that was crazy as well. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I didn't realize that she had other, um, what? what's the name they call them? They don't call them robots. 
hosts. I don't know if she had other hosts like with her or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was kind of I didn't expect that either. So but yeah. she I, she came prepared. She had the the the, the squad with her. Mm-hmm. Now, what did you think of the mid-credit scene? Um, I'm glad they put it in there because when this trailer first dropped, I was about to be like, "How is Danny Newton leading the Nazis?" Like, because I was like, "This shit doesn't make sense." Come on, Westworld. Because when you first saw it, she's standing out of that window, and you saw the uh, the swastika up on the wall on the on the building, and mm-hmm. I was like, "What in the world is going on here?" Yeah. And, um, Hey, Westworld, what you doing? Right, right. But then that she woke up, and I guess she threw hands in this little building because she looked at her knuckles, and they're all bruised. I was like, huh. Right. I have a feeling she's just in that world for some reason. Right, right. So we'll have to see how that, that develops. But great first episode. They did yeah. say... The ratings were down compared to the season two premiere, but yeah, there's just more stuff to watch. But I think yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, I I think that may be the two year gap in between. Yeah, definitely. So, all yeah, right, it was good. That concludes our not segment. We'll now transition to no concessions. Um, seems like we won't be going to the theater anytime soon, so nope. most of our film <laughs> stuff will be stuff we stream or rent to own or however we do. Um, I was going to start with the box office off the bat. Um, they suffered a 22-year low with a $55 million total for the entire week. Wow. That's insane. So yeah. uh, the top film onward got $10 million. Right. So yeah, the this is unprecedented, unprecedented territory right now. So we'll just have to, like we said, roll with it. Right, yeah, it's kind of, it's different. All right, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, first, the stuff I finished, I finished on block season, on my block season three. Okay. And one second, it's only eight episodes, which is kind of sad. Um, it was really good this season. Um, I think with a shorter season, we didn't get as much, I think, as we could on some characters. And some things were just sort of left to imagination. But um, if they do come back with for season four, it'd be interesting to see where all these characters are being how old they are and where they finish off in this season. And they could only do one more season because they're sort of starting to age out. Yeah, of the other yeah. characters. Which I mean naturally. So Right. True, true. And then Hintified, which should definitely have to get a second season the way season one concluded, um, yeah. was really good. Um not expecting that ending, it left you on a high and then brought you down to a low. So I'll be, I'll be waiting for season two of Hintified. Okay. And then I started, oh, those both are on Netflix. Sorry. Then I started um, FX first original docu-series, The Most Dangerous Animal of All. Um, this is about Gary Stewart, who was an adopted boy who found out his, he was abandoned by his father 
and I think like years later, like 35 years later, found his birth mother or whatever, and doing research on his father, trying to figure out who he was, he has come to the assumption that his father was possibly the Zodiac killer. Wow. So, yes. Yeah, so his father was some form of a sociopath. They explained sort of in the first episode, which was only like maybe 45 minutes or not even an hour long. Um, they explained that his mother met his father when she was 14 and he was 27. Oh, hell no. Yes, in Louisiana. <laughs> and they ran away together. He was constantly arrested. He constantly broke out and got her again. Um, they were originally from San Francisco. Um, yeah. Ran away together to his native Louisiana. She winds up pregnant. She has the baby. He would leave the baby in a footlocker because he was so annoyed with it. Yes. So eventually she gets away from him um, and his her family welcomes her back, but she can't bring the baby. They won't accept the child because this was like in the yes. 1950s or whatever. Okay. So she um, rel relinquishes rights to their child and he's adopted and all that stuff. And now he's trying to investigate whether or not his father is who he believes he is. But his father was not a good person. Yeah. Wow. That's a yeah. That's a lot. That's like yeah. um oh the oh he wasn't the Zodiac killer. He was in some other killer in the uh that part of the country. I don't know. But uh how they just randomly caught him the other oh, uh, the, um, you know who I'm talking about? Golden State Killer. Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was all some wild stuff. Like it was like that. His daughter was like, uh, I think this guy was my father or something. Yeah, she submitted DNA and it just happened to match. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I guess I'll get into mine. Hold on a second here. Yeah. So I I watched some wild stuff. Before I get to the two <laughs> other things, I'll start with the um, fighting with my family, and that was the movie with Florence Pugh. Uh, oh, that rock. is her. Just with black hair. Yeah, yeah. She just had black hair. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh God, I can never think of his name. He's been in so many movies. The big guy that was in. Uh, he's. Hold on. Have you seen Hot Fuzz in all those movies? Oh with, yeah, uh, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Sean I, Dan. Yes, yes. I can't think of his name. It'll come to me. Hold on, let's see if I can find Nick Frost. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him, uh, and Lena Hedy. Hedy is that your pronounce name? From I think it's Hedy. I say Hedy, but yeah. Well, oh, anyway, they're all in the movie, and it focuses on this family that kind of owns like an amateur wrestling uh, arena in the UK, and they get the chance. Um, the two kids, Paige and her brother Zach get the chance to go and try out for WWE here in the United States. And um, so it just kind of follows her journey, her ups and downs. She kind of believes in herself and then falls apart because she misses her family. Her parents start selling merchandise with her likeness and making money off of it. 
her brother doesn't get picked when the whatchamacallit happens, the the, the tryout happens. He, they don't want him, they just want her. And so he kind of, he's happy for her, but it still hits him hard and he turns to drinking and getting in trouble wow. and arrested. And uh, it was really good for, um, I think it was like PG-14 or something, but it wasn't like there's cussing and stuff, but they were like, I, would, I wouldn't say heavy themes, but it was like a it was like a family movie teetering on something that you should probably watch with like a 15 16 year old you know even oh, though the rocks in it yeah it's so it was good it was it was pretty good and it got good reviews when it came out um okay after that <laughs> um TCM Turner Classic Movies they show random stuff and so in the underground movies they show kind of like old B movies and man I tell you what this movie the big dollhouse had me in stitches because it's the dumbest thing I, it's not it's not dumb but it had Pam Greer as like a 1970s sexploitation type movie where um it's just there's there's a plot but the main thing is how good the women look yeah and oh my god it so it, it based it's based around five women that are stuck in um a prison somewhere in the tropics i think it's the philippines but the thing is other than their crimes you have no you don't get introduced to why they're in the philippines you have no idea why they're in the philippines they just are and uh and so they do different stuff and they're trying to break out and it was just i don't know i i watched it i watched all like the hour and 40 minutes that it was and i was just like this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen but i guess it has like some sort of cult following, but yeah, Pam Greer was in it and she was young. And I think this was either prior to her like coffee and, um, Oh, what's the other big movie she did? Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown. Um, I think it may have been right before that, but yeah. So it's kind of along the same lines where they kind of, these women band together and, defeat the the bad guy who's really a guard and somebody else but they do it in like the sexiest way possible it's it's so extra and then spider baby was like a i'd never seen this before but it was like a cult horror film from like the 60s and uh it it was kind of dark for the 60s i was like oh so the it was it was very like like okay this is deep themes but it, anyways to just break it down there's three kids whose father has died and left the inheritance but the thing is the kids can't inherit what was left behind <laughs> because they're all inbred and oh yeah it was really weird but it's supposed to be like a comedy type horror film but i was like jesus but so um but then so they're left with the caretaker some relatives come try to get the place the caretaker can't take anymore <laughs> So he he blows up the house. He blows himself up and he blows the kids up. And I was like, oh Jesus, God. yeah, it was a wild movie. I just I, those both of those movies I was pulled in by like honestly the um the titles. And then I watched them. I was like, what did I just do with four hours of my life? So so yeah. But um, we'll see what else I find on streaming this week because um, that's all there is really. Right. All righty, that's been our no concessions segment, and now we'll transition to 
our feature presentation where we will be discussing for Women's History Month this March, Women and Television. Yep. So today, of course, um, we're seeing more women uh, being propelled to being directors of, tele of TV shows, showrunners, um, writers, um, executive producers, just a more wide range of opportunities for women in right. the film television. Um, but once upon a time, just like everything else, it was an uphill battle. And even mm -hmm. today, there's still issues with, you know, pay, equality, um, and just representation of all women. Right. So just a brief history of things I looked up and discovered here. Um, with, with the arrival of television, um, early on the transition from radio to TV was just sort of like instant, like just the way music videos sort of like killed the radio star, TV had sort of killed the radio star. Um, yeah, yeah. But many soaps that you listen to on the radio found their way onto TV, like As the World Turns and Guiding Light, all those things. So that's was sort of like the early on days. Um, women found success on screen as much as they could. And those that found power behind the scenes, sort of like Lucille Ball found early success and were able to not only act, but right. produce and write. So the first big TV star for women was a woman named Gertrude Berg. Mm. Um, and she played Molly Goldberg on <laughs> The Goldbergs for 30 plus years across radio, film, TV, and stage. Wow. So she was like a big deal. Um, it yeah. debuted on CBS in 1949. And this show was about an immigrant family adjusting to American life. So um, it's funny that like today, Today, the immigrants look different, but that's still like a story that yeah. you rarely see. Um, then, of course, it was a Jewish-American family. And this was sort of like the first time you saw Jewish-Americans on TV, and it wasn't stereotypical roles. It was just them, you know, living life, going throughout their day, you know, living that American dream, per se. Right. Um Despite her popularity, she um, later found herself blacklisted from the industry in the 1950s as the Red Scare swept Hollywood. So as, uh, as people um, suspected certain actors and liberals were communists, uh, yeah. specifically the one that played her husband on the show, um, who CBS forced off the show, um, her, her fame sort of depleted and eventually she fell under pressure because she once she once stood up for the actor i think his name was philip Loeb. she once defended the actor and whatnot and eventually advertisers took their funds once he was released cbs eventually canceled the show and the show moved to other two other networks but it was eventually canceled in 1954 and she sort of never recovered from from that bout so she's sort of like the big first tv female star yeah and then um, other ways women got on TV was movie actors or actresses, which is sort of odd now. We sort of went through a period where you went to TV first and then graduated right. to, to movies. Right. Nowadays, 
it's the reverse. You can do movies and go to TV either way. But these stars, women, um, that found fame on TV were aging female stars, which we know once women hit 40, those roles in Hollywood cease to exist. Right, right, start to dry up. Right. So um, one of the big ones was Loretta Young. Um, she was an A-list actress who headlined um, the Loretta Young show. Um, but it never reached great popularity as many viewers felt um, turned off from its conservative Catholics' perspective. So, <laughs> so yes. Um, but through the 1950s, um, TV sort of reinforced that nuclear family and American individualism. So you had shows like Leave it to Beaver, My Three Sons. That's the kind of woman that was portrayed, the mother. Yeah. Um, devout wife, so on and so forth. As we transition to the 1960s, as society changed, TV wanted to echo those changes. So you had the feminist woman, oh, well, yeah. right. and that sort of icon was Marlo Thomas's That Girl, um, debuted in 1966, and most of those ideas were based on the book The Feminine Mystique, which was written in 1963. Um, Thomas was nominated for four Emmys for that girl. Um, it lasted five seasons, but was canceled after she refused to have her character marry her longtime boyfriend. So she didn't want to get married. She wanted her character to to be somebody that didn't need a man per se. Right, right. Um, as more women began working, the advertising started to change. Before. All the advertisement was, you know, cleaning utensils and laundry detergent. They sort of geared toward the stay-at-home mom. But as women entered the workforce, um, there was more purchasing power. The advertising money started to change, and your women started to change. So we went from our Miss Brooks in the 1950s, whose ultimate goal was to uh, snag a husband, to Mary Tyler Moore show in 1970s, where she was a career woman who was focused on um, advancement professionally in her career, and men were yeah. just an afterthought. And you got the biggest push after the EEOC was installed in the 1970s. So the Equal Employment something something. Yeah. So yeah. Hmm. Um, that was a brief history of sort of like how everything came about in television. Right. Yeah, something else. Oh. Um, this is a study from the Center for the Study of Women in TV Film from 2016. So are you ready for these stats? Because <laughs> as much as we think things have improved since Mary Tyler Moore, right. um, the gavel of shows we've seen the women portrayed on TV, um, there's still a lot to work to be done, especially on the business side. Yeah. So 79% of shows studied had more male cast members than wow. women, 79%. Women made up 26% of creators, writers, directors, producers, execs, editors, and directors of photography on television shows. Um, let's see, Ava DuVernay's hiring of female directors sort of like broke a mold for every season of Queen of Sugar, she's had a female showrunner and a female director for every episode. And we've kind of seen that echoed on different shows, um, that method. Yeah. Replicated. 
but there's still a lack of women. Even with, you know, uh, the awakening of Shonda Rhimes in 2005 with Grey's Anatomy on ABC. Right. You have Mariska Hargitay as being one of the most paid women on one of the most longest running shows on TV, highest paid women. Um, to even today with, well, not today, but you have Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, sort of breaking out as a writer. You have Whisper Witherspoon, right. who's finding like a new new life in her career as a producer yeah. for uh, shows. Um, there's still a lot of road to be paid for women in television. Yeah. It sort of seems that way for both TV and film. Um, as soon as the art makes money, women yeah, yeah. are sort of relegated to the back. Yeah, absolutely. On Reese Witherspoon, I mean, all of them have done big things, but I think Reese Witherspoon's the one that's taken me most by surprise because I would say these last five or six years, man, she when she started her little comeback with that one movie that I can't think of, she like kicked it into high gear and just kept going, you know, and right. now she's right. she's everywhere. You know, I think like, really like you know, typically a woman of her age would just be you know, she has kids, she would just be a mom. Like, right. in her career, she shouldn't be having the success, typically. Like, that's what sort of sure. Hollywood says. But she's become, like, this force. Mm-hmm. You know, big little lies. She has little fires everywhere premiering tomorrow. Um, so many projects. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really, it's great to see because we just have, we reap more good content basically right yeah absolutely you need different and diverse stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh what are some of your favorite series tv series about women or that centered on women one second um well i'm gonna start and i feel like i've been talking about it for so much these past couple of weeks but uh buffy I mean, there were men in the show, but I just remember watching that show with my sister Candace and just being so into the story that I don't think I really cared that they were women. You know what I mean? Like it was, mm-hmm. it was one of those things. Like they didn't make the fact that they were women a huge part of the show, but every good villain and every good vampire slayer and all the helpers and everything, they were women and it just kind of made it it better i mean and they really carry that show so um that would be maybe the first one i would put up there um what else would i say um as for shows that were focused on women uh, uh, random i'm gonna say and most people probably wouldn't agree but i used to watch mad men all the time and despite that the women were treated like crap in that show if they hadn't their their roles in that show changed a lot about how the show progressed if that makes sense because it progressed with the actual time period that that they were depicting and Mm -hmm. the treatment changed and it was just um it was very good and um let's see i think of 
<laughs> think of one more for right now until I think of some other. Um, I think we were talking about this before, but before I used to go to class in college, um, <laughs> Charmed used to come on all the time. <laughs> and I became a fanatic for Charmed. But, like, that show was, like, all women. And, I mean, mm-hmm. it was – and I had never watched it before. And then I really did become kind of, like, a uh, a fanatic for it. And it was really good. I mean, it just cheesy as all get out. But right. um, uh, I was obsessed with it. So, but, yeah, as we go on, I'm sure some more will come back to me. Okay. For me, just to start off, I've got to go with the Golden Girls. No, absolutely. Um, I was introduced to that show in middle school by a best friend, and like, the, despite having all women cast and focusing on issues from women of a certain age, which you would not see, right? Otherwise, it was a great show. Like comedic legends in the cast yeah. and the writing and the handle of subject matter, and it holds up very well to this day right. um, compared to another show that sort of copied that formula designing women yeah design women has a few episodes that are just not <laughs> good anymore. <laughs> um pacific particularly um episode where uh one of the characters find out her friend is a like a madame oh wow and the slut shaming that goes on from Sh- julia sugarbaker <laughs> and then the whole the running, not running joke, but like the way the character of Anthony was hit on that show and race is not yeah. great yeah. anymore. So Golden Girls is still a shining moment. Um, in that same vein, I don't know, we just watch a lot of like similar shows like here. Yeah. Mama's Family, I think. Yes. Is just comedic genius. Um, Vicki Lawrence's character from the Carol Burnett show sort of like got their own show. And I didn't realize the first season they were canceled. And yeah. then they brought the show back with like, that's why like the kids are in the other seasons and they brought oh. up everything. So huh. um, another one. I'm trying to think. This isn't like a show, but like the power that the Oprah Winfrey show had, like in the nineties, uh, growing yeah, up. Yeah. Like a black woman literally had white America eating right. off her hand and still does. Like Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So um yeah, that was a must see. Like right after school, you got home and you watch Oprah. <laughs> like that was, right, right. that was the thing. So and I don't, and it's not to put, I'm not saying it to put women down, but I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. But did you ever feel like, did you get the feeling that even though they were women, like, it's not, oh God, it's not that you didn't care. It just didn't make like a big difference to you. I I, I think I hear what you're saying. Like, for us, we didn't. Right. Necessarily see the importance or see because we right. had no referencing to like what it was like before. I guess you yeah. said. Yeah, that that's probably much the better way to say it. Yeah, I couldn't think of it because I, I just say that because I think of the shows we grew up with and obviously there's four years between us, but you think about uh 
think about um oh god think about that so raven you think about even though it's on for like a season taina you think about the parkers mm-hmm. you think about um what's the one with the maori sisters tia and tamara sister 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 you know we just all, we had all these shows growing up and even further than that we had the show zoe 101 and you could keep going but it was just kind of normal to us in a way that yeah I mean, like like we were definitely in an age where there was progression yeah like especially yeah. the 90s for like black people and black women like there was like a surge right yeah before then it was very not right you know i mean so like we we didn't know any different so like as adults now we look back and say oh that was great but like we see like the 2000s just fell off like there was that yeah yeah that drop so right um yeah and even though we have representation we didn't realize it was so few because we didn't yes like like we didn't know any better yeah absolutely like it was just what we knew right right yeah i'm glad you you found a better way to say it because i was struggling (laughs) Okay, from shows to like characters and actresses on TV, writers, directors, female directors that's that are sort of like your favorite or top your list or whatnot. Um let's see. It's hard to split. You, now are you talking about directors for like films too? Because it's hard to, to split directors from televisions from films. Oh yeah, it could be either or because okay. I mean they People kind of flip flop. Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, there is, I think I spoke about her the other week, but probably one of my favorite directors for films uh, is a woman named Lynn Ramsey. And she, uh, oh, what did she do that you would know? Um, she did, we need to talk about Kevin. And oh, okay. she, she always does really heavy films, like with really tough subject matter it's like damn he's up a little bit but mm-hmm. i think she would be one of my favorites um uh pick somebody a little new school i think you have to turn in ava duvernay she's incredibly talented mm-hmm. um i i haven't seen her greta gerwig film that i don't like so she she makes the list as well um, I'm sure I can keep going, but I'll let you hop in here and say something. Okay, for me, um, like you said, Ava DuVernay, I think she does great work. Um, and I think, uh, like, the Wrinkle on Time thing sort of didn't, uh, what am I trying to say? It didn't stunt her, but I think if it had done better, yeah she her director would be high like she's popular but she still sort of just kind of does right right the black stuff you know what i mean right yeah i I agree but i am excited for her dc gods film whenever that comes out new gods or whatever and her series on hbo max Mm -hmm. um her um this sort of random, but Debbie Allen has been like influential. Oh, yeah. Um, just sort of like 
in the behind the scenes and stuff. She, I did not know she was like a producer for um, Amistad. Oh, wow. Like she had been wanting to make that film for like, since she read the book in I think the 70s and she couldn't get anyone to do it until the 90s and that was Spielberg. Um, and then of course she was the eventual showrunner for A Different World once Cosby yeah. dropped it because he knew what he was doing. Um, movers and Shakers. Uh, I didn't know her name till later, but Mara Brock. Oh shoot, I'm gonna mess it up. Mara. Shoot, Brock Akil. That's who it is. Hmm. She's mainly known for um the game and girlfriends. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, she's such a big yeah, or like lot. icon in in that right. realm. Best for a black woman. She's in the game, girlfriends, being Mary Jane, um, Love Is, which was sadly canceled. And I think her and her husband sort of um, part, uh, both sort of contribute to Black Lightning. On, okay. Um, you stay on that tip. You, have, I, I, I can see which one called, kind of becoming that. You know, Issa Rae. Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah, she's. She's almost, I mean, shit, she's practically there, so. Yeah, and lean away. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's making moves, like, um, she's got both Boomerang and 20s on BET and um, doing writing films and whatnot. Right. So. The doors she's, are opening. More people are, are getting opportunities to tell their stories. So. Yeah, just... It's a slow process, unfortunately. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, oh, and on the same tip as, like, Oprah and everything she's done, I, I you kind of can put Whoopi Goldberg in there. Definitely. I don't think she gets enough props either. Yeah, and she does a lot. I mean, I'm not sure if she's directing anything, but I know she's – you know, been author of a few books and she's in everything. She's got, she's got to be kind of in the behind the scenes as well. You know what I mean? She's mm -hmm. so. I think she was the only black EGOT other than John Legend for a long oh. time. And I think, is Viola Davis an EGOT? Oh, um, that's a good question. I don't know if she is. She's got some clothes. For a while, it was just. Whoopi. And she did yeah. it rather quickly and early in her career, like. Yeah. Yeah. It says here that, yeah, Viola Davis is an ego. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it was Whoopi, just her, um, for a long time. But, like, giving the time of when Whoopi arrived, which was sort of like the first, well, second sort of Black renaissance in the 80s. Yeah, um, yeah her ascension from stand-up comic to actress to Oscar nominated to Oscar right. winner to Oscar host. I don't know why they didn't let her back. Like, yeah. it's just, her resume is pristine. And even her show, short-lived, I think her show was really ahead of its time. I forgot all about that. Yeah, Whoopi. <laughs> yeah. 
it it was sort of like I would akin it to what the Carmichael show was sort of doing. Okay, yeah, yeah. It was definitely ahead of its time, but yeah, she. I don't think she gets enough props for for the the trail she's blazed. Yeah, she's done a lot. Yeah. Anything else before we close this segment? Um. No, I think that's all I have. All right. All right. As we come to a close of this episode, what are you streaming for the weekend? Um, I will be watching on my block. I watch, I think, maybe 10 minutes of the first episode. And uh, I just, then I just stopped it. I had to go and do something else. So uh, that's, that is on the schedule. It's always quick and it's always funny. So yeah, I'm definitely going to knock that out. Yeah, this season is hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, Wednesday, Hulu debuts, I think the first three episodes of Low Fires Everywhere, starring Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington, based on a novel by Celeste. I'm going to make her last name. Yeah. Nung. I think it's pronounced like Ing. Ing. Yeah. Yes. So that's on Hulu tomorrow, and I need to start Kingdom as well on Netflix. So okay, season two. Yeah. All right, that's been this episode of It's a Streamable Life. As always, you can follow us on the socials at AS Life Podcast. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And for more content, you can look look at us on streamablelife.wordpress. Dot com. That's streamablelife.wordpress.com. Yep. Until next time, we're out. Peace. This has been It's a Streamable Life, a podcast chronicling life in a peak entertainment era. Listen, share, rate, and subscribe weekly on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get Streamable Life.